0: Welcome to Souls Harbor's weekly podcast. We believe that God has called us to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ, help them grow to be like Jesus, and involve them in reaching lost people. Listen now to this week's message. Hi guys. How are you doing tonight? It's good to see you, or at least to be seen by you. How's that? That's probably a little more accurate. If you're out there tonight, give us a shout out. Let us know. Uh, thumbs up, say hi, somehow let us know that you're out there. We're going to give everybody a few minutes to get in, and we're going to jump into our Bible study tonight. I see Stephanie. She's the first one in tonight. There's Olivia. Welcome, you guys. Glad to have you. Brittany joined us. Hi, Brittany. Good to have you tonight. And Brenda, you guys go ahead and keep checking in tonight. Debbie's with us, and uh, we're going to get into our Bible study tonight. Hey, listen, while people are still jumping in, Uh, We're going to be in Daniel chapter 8 tonight. We're going to continue on with our study of uh, the biblical prophecies, the prophecies of Daniel tonight. So you guys go ahead and jump in. You can turn there if you'd like to. Hi, D.D. Good to have you with us tonight. Katie's out there. Brenda's in. Shelly, I see. Awesome. Scotty's with us. Good to have all of you guys here tonight. Uh, Keep jumping on in. There's Pastor and Janet. Good to have you. Hi Tammy, good to see you tonight and Joe's with us. You guys go ahead and jump in as we get a few more people in here Daniel chapter 8 is where we're gonna be tonight where we're gonna study for a while and uh, do some work there in that uh, particular chapter looking forward to this study tonight. I've been working on it all week and uh, It's just gonna gonna be a lot of fun. So come on jump on in Sam. Good to see you tonight Joe's with us and uh, there's Jimmy. He's in and his family. Good to have you guys out there tonight uh, so you guys come on in tonight. Where Deanna's out there? I think that's Deanna. I believe. Good to see you tonight. Um, Daniel, chapter eight. As everybody goes ahead and jumps on in. Hey, I as as we get people in here. And for those of you that are already here, let me uh, share a couple things with you. Uh, we just had sent out today Ruthie sent out today uh, and Christine posted on Facebook a a questionnaire we're uh, trying to get some feedback from everybody trying to get some information about uh, just figure out the best way for us to go through the reopening process yes we're close enough we're beginning to think about it that's uh, that's good and that's exciting I'm looking forward to doing that so the questionnaire is asking some different things about uh, how you plan on re-engaging. And how you'll be comfortable re-engaging once we do open up. So uh, we sent it out by text. We sent it out by email. And we posted it on the Facebook page. I I don't need you to fill it out three times. Just once would be great. But I would appreciate it if you could fill it out and get get it back to us. Or I think it actually comes directly back to us because they've used some, I don't know, some technological software thing cool thing to make it happen so anyway if you guys would fill that out that would be a great help we really are beginning to think through what is reopening look like Uh, hey Mike it's good to see you tonight I see Mike's jumped in there and Roberts with us good to have you guys there tonight so if you'd fill out that survey those of you that get it if you don't get one um, and you would like one Please don't be offended. We did our very best to get it to everybody, but we may have missed somebody. So if you'd like one of those questionnaires to give us that feedback and you don't get one, just shoot us an email, hit us on Facebook, somehow let us know. Or you can always go to the Facebook group, I guess, and, and click on the link that way and you'll have access to it. So I uh, just want you to know about that. Hey, Daniel chapter eight is where we're going to be tonight. Um, and if, if you guys are all there, we're going to go ahead and jump into this tonight. I did post a little bit of a worksheet uh, out there some notes and stuff on Facebook uh, in the unit section So if you didn't get that you can go look for it later Just gives you some more background of what I'm going to talk about tonight uh, a little bit And We're going to go ahead and jump into this and I'll be honest with you tonight Daniel 8 I've kind of uh, been trying to figure out all along. What's the best way to present this? And I think tonight the way we're going to go about it is we are going to work through it verse by verse uh, Just chapter 8 is about 26 27 verses something like that and uh, just talk through the whole process as we go along So this is Daniel This is Daniel's uh, Latest dream And uh, just like last week, we talked through Daniel 7, where he had the dream of the four beasts. He also picks up with kind of that concept here and has another dream with another set of interpretations. So everything that I said last week and everything I talked about last week, as far as apocalyptic literature goes, the purpose of it, uh and understanding symbolism and symbols that all apply so if you didn't get last week and you want to go back and grab last week's notes they're on facebook as well and they could be very helpful in that way hey before i read this first first verse tonight let's do this um let's pray how about that that's always a good way to start things so if you guys would uh, pray with me i'd appreciate it lord we thank you for being an incredible God. We thank you for caring about us. We thank you, Lord, for walking us through uh, these last number of days and weeks. And we just pray tonight, God, as we study the word of God together, uh, that you would be a part of what we're doing. You would help us in this, that you would help us to understand your word and to grow in Jesus name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, I will try uh, as the opportunity presents, maybe here to throw out a few questions, but a lot of what I'm gonna talk about tonight is really um, just sharing truth and um, understanding of god's word and how to look at god's word so we're going to do that together tonight so let me just jump off here chapter 8 of verse 1 in daniel if you're just getting in in the third year of the reign of king belshazzar a vision appeared to me daniel after that which appeared to me at the first so this is the second dream uh, vision and i saw in the vision when i saw I was in Susa, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in the vision, and I was at the Ule Canal, and I raised my eyes and saw, and behold, a ram standing on the bank of the canal, and it had two horns, and both horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. I saw the ram charging westward and northward and southward. No beast could stand before him, and there was no one who could rescue from his power he did as he pleased and he became great so we're back into symbolism again you can see that right off the bat we're back into this prophecy of daniel and uh, as I said earlier, everything that we talked about last week applies this week. What are these symbols? What do they mean? And if you work through the worksheet, you saw some of this. So we see in this first section of verses, uh, there's a ram. Daniel, Daniels, if you can, I don't know if you guys have had, anybody out there ever had a crazy dream? If you have, give me a thumbs up. I, I want to I know how many of you have had bizarre dreams. You know, I went through a stretch of my life of a lot of years where when I went to bed, I was so tired, so exhausted, I actually didn't dream. And here in the last couple of years, since I've become really aware of the need for uh, an adequate amount of sleep, something's begin to happen to me. I begin to have, I begin to dream again, which li- literally I didn't do for years. Uh, but with dreams come some bizarre dreams, and it would be fun if you guys were all here together with me uh, to find out if any of you have that. Um, reoccurring dream. That dream that happens over and over. Uh, I suspect a lot of you do. I i had, as a kid, I always had this one bizarre reoccurring dream. And I'll go ahead and tell you what it is. You can laugh at me. That's fine. You can throw up a ha-ha if you want to. Uh, I was a kid. I was living in the house that I grew up in at 706 North Main, Napanee, Indiana. Okay, And it involved, if you guys remember the cartoons, Bugs Bunny, the Bugs Bunny cartoons, it involved the Tasmanian devil. True story. Tasmanian devil would chase me around the house and chase me around the house and chase me around the house. And every time, he would chase me down my out of my back porch, down the basement stairs, into my basement, and I would end up falling in the sump pump pit. Now, I don't know. There's probably some deep psychological meaning in that somewhere. I don't know. But I would have that dream over and over and over again. There's a laugh. I see it. All right. Uh, You can laugh. That's okay. It's funny. But we all have those dreams. But Daniel, this guy was having dreams inspired by God. And and I'm going to tell you, they were crazy. In fact, let's just do that. Jump down to the very end of chapter 8. Look look at what happens to this guy when he has this dream. It says and I Daniel was overcome and lay sick for some days. Wow. He he was so overwhelmed by what he sees in this dream that he laid on, he he laid in his bed sick for a number of days. Now that is an over the top powerful dream right there. And I guess that's what happens when they come from God. Mine didn't come from God. Mine came from watching too much TV most likely. Um, But I I want you to see that so Daniel's having this dream and in his dream He's actually carried to another location carried to a canal in a city in Babylon and he sees this huge ram uh, And it has two horns and one horn is taller than the other So we get the symbolism the first symbol is the ram the second symbol is the two horns And you see that one is higher than the other now if you read last week's prophecy And you were up with us last week that part of one horn was higher than the other should maybe Uh, stir some memory with you and some thoughts of what could this ram be and what could these two horns represent. Last week, we talked about one of the beasts that he had dreamed about. Uh, It was a bear, if I remember right, and one side of the bear was higher than the other, and it represented, the beast there represented a kingdom, and that kingdom was the Meadow-Persian kingdom. Okay, so there's a clue that as I read this, I might begin to think, okay, maybe there's some connection here, but we'll see later on. Does this ram represent the Meadow-Persian uh uh kingdom uh, and which which was two separate kingdoms making up, joined together as one, and and the two halves, the ones, the one half was more powerful than the other. So we see that as well. So one, high, one, one was higher than the other. And again, in verse 4, we see that this is, we're seeing a reference to beast. No beast could stand before him. So we're seeing this this whole thing of beast, which if you remember last week, it was all about the four beasts, and the beast were interpreted as being kingdoms. So there again, we kind of see an interpretation that can translate from one chapter to the next. So we're he, he's seeing a kingdom uh that is symbolically shown as a ram with two horns. So let's pick this up and let's read a little further. Let's jump down into verse five tonight. He says, As I was considering, behold a male goat, so we got a second symbol, a male goat came from the west across the face of the whole earth without touching the ground, and the goat had a conspicuous horn between its eyes. So we've got a horn again. Now, this is the second time we've seen a horn pop up. In the first ram, it was two horns. In the second uh, symbol of the male goat, it was a single horn. And if you remember from last week, again, the horns also were a part of the the fourth beast. And if you remember, the horns actually were representative of kings that would rise. So again, it's just a place to start. Maybe these horns that are being referenced here uh, are are kings. That's the symbolic action. So let's pick this up with verse... Uh, let's pick it up with verse 6 tonight, this conspicuous horn, and I'm reading out of the ESV tonight if, if you uh, want to know if yours reads a little different. Verse 6, this ram that he saw, this or this male goat he saw uh, with the conspicuous horn, he came to the ram, verse 6, he came to the ram with two horns, which I had seen standing on the bank of the canal, and he read, ran at him in his powerful wrath. I saw him come close to the ram and he was enraged against him and struck the ram and broke his two horns and the ram had no power to stand before him. But he cast him down to the ground and trampled on him, and there was no one who could rescue the ram from his power. Then the goat became exceedingly great, but when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and instead of it, there came up four conspicuous horns towards the four winds of heaven. So now we've got another set of horns, which may be, if this follows suit with last week, would be additional kings or kingdoms that are going to rise so let me kind of lay this out for you so we've got this uh we've got this ram with two horns one horn is higher than the other if we're following the symbolism of last week that could be the medo persian empire uh the horns would be representative possibly of kings and then we have this male goat comes on the scene and uh, this male goat uh, knocks over the ram, destroys the ram. The ram has nothing it can do against it, and is and, and is literally just trampled underneath this this male goat. And the male goat has a single horn, so the male goat has a a king that that comes up, rises up in, in, to to lead that kingdom, and, and it overthrows the first kingdom. And then the the first horn, the big horn, is broken in two on the male goat. And two more horns, or actually four more horns, rise out of that. And so we've got a whole bunch of more symbolism going on. So let's keep reading, and uh, then we'll get to the interpretation and understanding what all this means um, in prophetic, uh, prophetic sense, and apocalyptic sense, but also for us today. Let's pick up with verse 9. Uh, everybody hanging with me there? I'm throwing a lot of stuff at you. And uh, if you've not read this, and I hope many of you had a chance to um, Give me a thumbs up if you're still hanging with me. Y'all out there? Uh, I see Joe throughout Greece. So he's he's read it. He knows where we're going. Good, good, good. Oh, uh, look at that. All right, that's all Joe. Joe's giving me lots of thumbs up. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate your support, my friend. I'm feeling the love. There's a few others. All right. I, I can't recognize you all. I just recognize Joe's little image that popped up. I'm not sure who all those others were, but thank you. Good. I'm glad you guys are hanging in there. Good, good, good. Let's keep reading here a little further then. Verse 9. So we've got the ram, we've got the goat, we've got the horns. Then verse 9, out of one of the four horns that came up on the goat, a little horn came up. And this is where it gets really interesting and futuristic even for us. And this is, we're going to talk about this a bit in a few minutes. Out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great towards the south, towards the east, and towards the glorious land. It grew great even to the host of heavens and some of the host and some of the stars it threw down to the ground and trampled on them it became great even as great as the prince of the host and the regular burnt offering was taken away from him and the place of his sanctuary was overthrown and a host will be given over to it together with the regular burnt offerings because of transgression and it will throw down truth to the ground and it will act and prosper Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the one who spoke, For how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgression that makes desolate, and the giving over of the sanctuary and host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, For 2300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state. So let's go back up and look at a little bit of this uh the little horn who and what is the little horn this is where it gets there's a a little bit of disagreement i think Uh, if you were with us last week i recommended a commentary the new american commentary i still recommend it it's still a good commentary if you remember though when i recommended it i said to you don't just automatically assume that everything you read in there must be so um just because the people that write these commentaries are really smart men because a lot of really smart men write different commentaries and they don't even always agree. Take what they say, absorb it, look at it, read it, and read the scriptures is always a great way to go and then come to your own conclusions. And this is one of those chapters that I tend a little bit in some areas to disagree with the commentary on. I think it's a different a different reality and we'll, we'll see that here in a minute. So the little horn, what is the little horn? It's going to come up out of the four horns Um, And then we come down to some more symbolism we come down in verse 10 And it says some of the hosts and some of the stars it threw down to the ground So let's just talk about that for a minute. What are the stars? If you're out there and you want to give me a a thought throw it out there at me Uh, What could those stars represent because symbolically they are very well um, referenced throughout uh, Jewish apocalyptic history and even New Testament time apocalyptic, uh, 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 apop- apocalyptic. I'll get it out. Apocalyptic literature. What could the stars be? Anybody got any thoughts on that? Any possible suggestions? Who and what the stars could possibly be? If you do, give me a shout out. And while you're doing that, hopefully giving me a shout out, somebody. Uh, I want to read a couple of passages out of Revelation to you. Uh, The first one is Revelation chapter 1, verse 16. I'm not catching any responses yet, and I don't know if we got lag time or nobody wants to take the plunge, but let me read Revelation 1, 16 tonight and see if you can pick this up. What could the stars represent? In Revelation, it says in verse 16, chapter 1, in his right hand, uh, in his right hand, he held seven stars from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. Debbie threw out God's people. Ginger threw out angels. Hey, thank you guys for taking the plunge, uh, for being willing to lay it out there. So we see in Revelation, he's talking about the seven stars. Chapter 1, verse 16. Let's look at chapter 1, verse... Twenty tonight, he goes on and explains the stars in Revelation. As for the mystery of the seven stars that I just talked about in verse 16, as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand in the seven gold lampstands, the seven stars are, you guys ready for it? Are you ready? The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. The angels of the seven churches. So many times, many, many, many times, stars will be referencing angels or the angelic host or uh, the, the angelic group um, So let's look at one more revelation passage that kind of connects with this chapter 12 uh, Of revelation and let me read verses 1 through 4 to you and a great sign appeared in heaven A woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of 12 stars She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, ten horns ought to sound familiar to you that have been with us for a while, and on his head seven diadems, his tail, now catch this, the dragon, or Satan, his tail swept down a third of the stars, remember the stars are angels, his tail swept down a third of the angels of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Many people believe that is the the description of the initial fall of Satan. When he fell, he took, according to the, this passage and old, some Old Testament references, he took a third of the angels in heaven with him. He caused them to fall. He persuaded them to follow him as the great liar and, and the great rebel rebeller. Uh, they, they fell. So I want you to see that reference, and I want you to see the reference to star. So let's go back to Daniel chapter 8 again. It says this little horn that's going to rise is going to grow great, in verse 10, grow great even to the host of heaven, and some of the host, angels, and some of the stars, angels, it threw down to the ground and trampled on them. It became great, even as great as the prince of the host. Now, who is the prince of the host? Well, that could be an angel like Michael or Gabriel. There's a couple of angels that are talked about as archangels, a couple of angels that are talked about as kind of a hierarchy of angels. Uh, but he became so great as the some of the most powerful leaders in, in the angelic realm. And the regular burnt offering was taken away from him. And it goes on and describes some of the things he did. And one of the interesting things is what happens down in verse 13. It says he will speak and he will do some things. For how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering? It says, and then it says this, the transgression that makes desolate. Some of you that have been around prophecy uh, for a while uh, have heard the term the, the, the abomination of desolation. Um, and that is very much in line with what that could be. Uh, And then we read in verse 14 and he said for 2300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state So here's the thing. Here's here's where it gets interesting for those of you that are willing to go a little deeper with me on this. Okay Who is the little horn? Who is he? Um, The things that I just read to you out of Revelation and some of the other references and things that we see in there kind of lead me to think he's as powerful as the host of of the angels uh, he is a haughty, arrogant, obviously king, if if it follows suit with horn as a king. Um, he will see here in a few minutes, he actually takes a stand against uh, Jesus, the Messiah himself. Uh, it kind of makes it sound to me like he is the Antichrist, which would make perfect sense. He's the Antichrist, uh, except here's where it gets interesting. Um, It doesn't perfectly line up with the idea of the Antichrist. If you remember last week when we read chapter 7 of Daniel, uh, there were 10 horns and then an 11th horn came up in in Daniel chapter 7. And that 11th horn was clearly the Antichrist. And he came up out of the Roman Empire. You remember that? The Roman Empire? Well, I'm going to give Joe some kudos here because what he described to us a few minutes ago was very accurate. What he he threw out there, this uh, male goat isn't Rome it's Greece. So this little horn that is going to come up at the end of of the the kingdom of Greece and out of the kingdom of Greece is who's being described here. So it doesn't make sense that in chapter 7 he comes from Rome and in chapter 8 he comes from Greece. So who is the little horn? That really is the question tonight. And that's where a lot of people... uh, some people get so silly as to actually actually fight over it. Um, that's foolish. We're we're not. Uh, there's no point for that. Um, but it's interesting to look at the possibilities and the different perspectives. And I'm going to tell you what I believe tonight here as we work our way on down through this. So if you guys are still out there, I see several of you picked up on the Antichrist. Absolutely. Um, but let's look at this. Is he is he the Antichrist? Is he not the Antichrist? I I gave you one area where it kind of makes sense and others where it doesn't. This is where me and the commentary disagree a bit. He leans very heavily towards this is not the Antichrist. This is just uh, a guy that I'm going to describe to you here in just a moment. So let's pick up in verse 15. When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Ulai, and it called Gabriel, so there's one of our angels, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood, and when he came, I was frightened and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, O son of man, the vision is for the time of the end. Now let me talk about the time of the end for just a minute here. What is that in reference to? Uh, So those of us that have grown up with prophetic Writings and we've grown up really heavily being influenced by a prophetic and apocalyptic end times event We automatically go to anytime we hear the time of the end or the end times We automatically go to the last days before Christ's return and that's fine, and that's fair But let me just throw out some other possibilities uh, to you here and for, for a minute It could be it, it says the vision is for the time of the end what it doesn't tell us the time of the end of what It could be for the time of the end of all time, which would be the end of the age when Jesus returns. But it could also be the time of the end of the Greek empire, which we see is coming to an end when this man is going to rise. It could be the time of the end that the vision is describing. The vision is describing a certain set of circumstances, and it could be talking about the end of the time of those circumstances. So any of those three are a possibility, and we can't automatically jump to the conclusion. This is the end time in the sense of the end of the age when Jesus comes. So just keep, keep that loosely in mind for a minute. Let's read verse 18. And when he had spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. But he touched me and made me to stand and he said, behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation. So again, we got a latter time reference. Uh, The end of the indignation would be the end of the defiling of of the temple is what it's gonna end up being or the abomination that was described earlier. Uh, Behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation for it refers to the appointed time of the end. As for the ram that you saw with the two horns, what I was describing earlier, this is the same as the previous chapter. These are the kings of the Meta-Persia Empire, okay? And the goat, kudos to Joe again, and the goat, and maybe somebody else got it too. And the goat goat is the king of Greece, and the great horn between his eyes is the first king. Now, if you know your history a little bit, you know the first all-powerful king of the Grecian Empire was a guy by the name of... Anybody know? If you do, you can you can throw it out there for me. Who was the first king of the empire of Greece, the Grecian kingdom? And as soon as you hear the name, if you don't know it, you'll know it. He's got one of those names. There it is. Absolutely. Alexander the Great was the first one. We talked a little bit about him last week. So the great horn is Alexander the Great. Well, again, if you know your history, Alexander the Great... Um, conquered most of the known world, if not all of the known world. He was actually very depressed when he realized there's not really any more lands to conquer. talked about that last week a little bit. But then something happened. Alexander the great Greek the great as a um, empire conqueror, world conqueror he died really young and it was very unexpectedly. He died at a very young age, very unexpectedly. And when he died, his kingdom, the Grecian kingdom was taken and it was quartered. It was divided into four parts. So remember what happens? The great horn is broken, four horns pop up, four kings. And that's exactly historically what happened several hundred years after this prophecy, uh, the kingdom of Greece was divided into four portions. Now those four portions lasted for a very long time. quite quite some time. Uh, And then one of those quarters, one of those portions was the one that was centered in uh, the Middle East, in Jerusalem, in Syria, and that area of the world. And out of that kingdom, out of that, that, that quarter of the Grecian kingdom, rose a king by the name of Antiochus IV. Now, he went by the name Antiochus Epiphanes. Epiphanes was a a, a title that he took on himself, and a lot of people in those days did, but it means God manifest. I am King Antiochus IV, uh, God made manifest. Now, some people say, and this may be true, he didn't actually think himself a god, but he absolutely thought himself put in place by a god. Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, Antiochus Epiphanes is an interesting guy. Um, because he fulfills a lot of the things that are being described about the little horn in Daniel chapter 8. He he was blasphemous. He was arrogant. He was uh, attacked and literally killed the people of God, the saints. He killed numerous, numerous Jews. But probably the thing that he's most known for and most hated for, uh, is that he, he decided after he had been defeated in Egypt, he was very angry and he came back to his land and he decided, I'm taking it out on the people of God, the Jewish people. And he forbade them to worship Yahweh Jehovah. He forbade them to worship their God and said, you will from this point on worship only Zeus to the point that if they were found with any piece of the law, any writings, um, it, it, done, it doing anything that had a Jewish connection to it, they were often killed for it. And and the greatest thing that he did, the thing that he's most know, known for, is he described destroyed or tried to destroy the the religion and the people of God was he went into the Jewish temple in Jerusalem and He set up in the Jewish temple So imagine this in the Holy of Holies the place where the Ark of the Covenant one time resided He went in there and he set up a statue an idol to Zeus and he commanded people that they would offer sacrifices to Zeus and he ultimately went in and he offered uh, a pig swine as a sacrifice on the altar of god to the idol of zeus that my friends qualifies as the abomination that we read about earlier on he absolutely absolutely caused an abomination in the temple and it lasted and depending on how you you work this uh, and you count this, it lasted from the time he committed the abomination to the time that the Maccabean uh, Maccabeans had risen up and revolted and cast him out and thrown him out. Uh, and they were able to come in and cleanse the temple it was about three years and two months, which if you remember back in one of those earlier passages, way back up in, in verse uh 14 it said for 2300 evenings and mornings the sanctuary was defiled and then it would be restored So this guy by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes the Fourth, He meets a lot of the requirements and let's just read on a little further and we'll come back in and talk about him a little bit further uh, I'm trying to watch my time here. You guys hang with me a few more minutes and we'll bring this to a close It's seven o'clock. You all still out there still good for a few more minutes. Can I go a little bit a little bit longer with this? I see. Uh, I've got uh, on my screen right now. Shelly's still here. Ginger's still here. Joe's still here, and Jill is still with us tonight. So I don't know. And I, I probably got lots of others. I hope so. I see twenty-five people are still connected. So that's awesome. But you guys still, you still good for a few more minutes? I'd like to work through all of this chapter eight. All right. I see some yeses. Um, if anybody throws me a no, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna break my heart. Uh, but that's okay. I love you anyway. All right. Let's work on a little bit through this, a little bit further. Okay. Uh, and we are going to pick up then with verse 23, verse 22, as for the horn that was broken in place, which which four others arose, we talked about that, four kingdoms shall arise from his nation. This is the interpretation, but not with his power. And at the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles shall arise. This guy's going to have some wisdom. He's going to have some insight. Um, not going to be godly inside, but he's going to have some insight. His power shall be great, but not by his own power. So that becomes interesting to me. Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, he's going to have power, but not by his own power. Uh, the Antichrist, he has power, but not by his own power. Uh, the Antichrist is more a satanically inspired, satanically possessed man. Uh, I, I don't know that Antiochus Epiphanes was was uh, uh, satanically... Um, possessed, but certainly inspired. So it could maybe, depending on how you look at it, could be either one. And he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does and destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints. And I've I've described how he did that a little bit. By his cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand. He is probably going to be a master of intrigue, political intrigue, probably going to be very good at working people and political systems and, 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 and that type of thing. By his Cunning, he shall make deceit prosper under his hand. And in his own mind, he shall become great. He's going to become a legend in his own mind. All right, my one of my favorite phrases, a legend in his own mind. And his own mind, he shall become great. Without warning, he shall destroy many. And he shall even rise. And this is the interesting part. He shall even rise against the prince of princes. That's the Messiah. He shall even rise against Jesus Christ himself. Now, again, could this be Antiochus Epiphanes? Well, I think you could say that anybody that sets up a false god idol in the temple of god anybody that sacrifices swine on the altar anybody that just takes a stand for evil intentionally you could say in one sense, are coming against the Messiah, coming against Jesus Christ, coming against God. So that's not unreasonable. But it almost feels to me like there's something deeper, more sinister going on there. He shall even rise up against the Prince of Princes, and we know the Antichrist is absolutely going to do that. He is going to rise up against the Messiah, Jesus, and ultimately Jesus will come back and at the end of times, at the end of seven years, cast him down. It says, and he shall be broken, but by no human hand. And again, if you look at Epiphanes, Antiochus epiphanies, in one sense, you could say that what that means is he was ultimately defeated, and that's true. And you could say it was human hands that defeated him, but really what you could say what that means is um, God was behind it, which is, again, fair. God puts up and takes down rulers as he sees fit. Um, But again, it just almost feels to me like there's something deeper, more sinister going on there. But yet we know that the Antichrist doesn't completely fit the mold either, because he comes out of the Roman Empire, and this guy that's being described as a little horn comes out of the Grecian Empire. So how does that work? The vision of the evening and the mornings, verse 26, that has been told to me is true, but seal up the vision, for it refers to many days from now. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I arose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. So what what do we do with this little horn guy, uh, this king that's going to rise and take a stand against God? Well, there's a few things tonight that we can do. There's a concept within understanding prophecy. And I hope I can explain this relatively fast here and you you all can grab it because I'd like you to see it as you study the word of God yourself. And I hope you do study the word of God yourself. It's called foreshadowing. And basically the idea of foreshadowing is this, that many times in prophetic writing and apocalyptic writing, when, when something like this is described, it actually carries two meanings. It could be describing two separate events. Many times those events can be separated by literally thousands of years. And many times the authors of the apocalyptic vision, apocalyptic writing or prophetic writing, they didn't even themselves know that it was describing two events. They weren't always able to make the distinction uh, and I think God set it up that way, but there's many many places and I don't have time to know, go through through those examples But there's many many places throughout scripture from throughout the Old Testament and New Testament where this idea of foreshadowing happens And basically what it means is the prophetic or a piece of the prophetic word is is fulfilled in one person and that person's fulfilling of it is a foreshadowing of a future time when that prophetic apocalyptic word is going to be fulfilled, usually to a greater degree, a more severe degree. And I believe that's what's happening here. So the answer to who is the little horn is this, and this is going to be a really good politically um, type, political type answer. It's both. Now, I this is this is my take on it. This is my belief. Uh, This is where I diverge a bit from the author of the commentary I I, I reference. It's still a really good commentary. I'm not telling you don't get it. In fact, I'd encourage you to get it. But uh, the the, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, he fulfills so much of this back before the time of Christ, 170 so years before Christ. He fulfills so many pieces of this, but not all of these. And I believe he is a foreshadow, and I believe he is a picture to all people after him to say that there is coming a day where there will be another man that will rise. He foreshadows this man who will rise, who himself is uh, the little horn, the ultimate little horn, the one we call the Antichrist. He will truly take a stand fully against Jesus in a very... Uh, real sense he will he will is and is the one or po- empowered by the one who cast down a third of the angels and truly cast them down Not just metaphorically speaking and I believe we we see and I hope you read some of the information that I put out there in that PDF about Antiochus Epiphanes or you could go and read j- just google it and wikipedia will give you some this guy was horrendous he was horrible, he was brutal He was bloody. He was evil. He was sinister. He was the worst of anything you can imagine. And I believe the thing we can walk away from this and we should walk away from this with is this, that um, there is going to be a day where a man worse than him is going to come to power. And here's what I would say to you tonight as I bring this to a close and I need to bring this to a close. Listen to me, friends. We don't want to be here whenever he comes to power And what that means is we want to make sure our lives and our hearts are right with Jesus Christ today so that before he comes to power we will be raptured Jesus will come and he will spare us from the wrath of God that is going to be poured out upon this man Ultimately and upon those that choose to follow this man. Ultimately, Um, I don't have time to go further into this tonight We may pick it up and go next week. I may put out a YouTube video that goes a little deeper, but the revelation um, Scriptures and passages that connect to this are powerful. Let me just throw you a couple of of passages to look at uh, It tonight and you can look them up on your own Matthew 24 15 through 21 uh, talks about a little bit more about the um, uh, Abomination of desolation and what that's going to be like in the end-time situation where the Antichrist sits on the seat in, in, in Jerusalem the, 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 the temple and uh, declares himself God that's going to be the ultimate ultimate abomination of desolation uh, Matthew twenty four fifteen through 21 describes that and then the whole idea of the 2300 evenings now that's three years and two weeks Uh, or two months, um, the Antichrist is going to come to power for three and a half years, most likely. Revelation 13, one through eight talks about that. Uh, You could look at Revelation 17 and Revelation 13. Each one of them talk about the beast and you see the beast references in here as well. Um, I would love to get deeper into that and hope to at some point. Uh, and we may pick that up next week. It, it we'll, we'll see where next week. Next week we'll be in chapter nine. We'll see where that goes. But that's enough for tonight. It is seven ten, and I've gone a little bit longer than I like to. Listen to me. Let me end with this, and let me um, offer you this challenge. And I don't mean this to be a scare tactic. I mean this to be a sobering tactic. Um, I don't know when this is going to happen. I don't know when this antichrist is going to come to power, um, but I'm telling you that it will happen and regardless of whether it happens in our lifetime or after our lifetime we want to make sure that when we stand before Jesus Christ one day our hearts are pure and we are when we stand before God one day we're covered by the blood of Jesus and if you're new to this whole Christian thing you may not understand what that means and that may, may sound really weird to you and I, that that's fair what that means is this Jesus paid a price on a cross he died on a cross Um, To cover our sins. He paid the price for my sins. Yes I'm a pastor and yes I have sin. and Jesus Christ hung on a cross and paid the price for my sin So when I talk about being covered by the blood of Jesus all that means is Jesus hung on a cross and his blood was 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 spilt um, And that was the price to cover my sins and when I pray a prayer and say Jesus forgive me for my sins I believe in you as the son of God. I believe that you died on a cross. I love you that that is just a metaphorical way uh, when i'm metaphorically speaking of being covered by the blood that's what it means i've accepted that jesus died on a cross and paid the price for my sins and i choose to be a disciple i choose to follow him and love him and serve him and live for him and know that i'm never going to be perfect i'm going to do my best to live perfect perfectly in god's eyes but i'll never make it i know that but all those places where i fall short i know that that when god looks at me he looks at me through the price that jesus paid on the cross and i hope Tonight, that makes some sense to you. So if you've never done that, or you've let your relationship with God get kind of cold and lapse, great time to make it right. Tonight, before you go to bed, bow your head and say, Jesus, forgive me for anything out there, any history, any mistakes, any sin, any place I've missed you, forgive me. I want to make sure that my heart and my life are right with you. Live with me. I don't want to go through those times. And I barely touched on those times tonight. um, And we're out of time so we're going to call it right there hey guys listen i love you hope you enjoyed this i hope you got some good stuff out of this and um, please if you uh, haven't filled out the survey do that for us Uh, really excited to get as you can imagine the church reopened and looking forward to do that so please fill out that survey it's been emailed it's been texted uh, and there's a link on the Facebook group. Any one of them will work. It's the same survey in all instances. Please don't fill it out three times. That'll really skew our, our numbers and, and, and won't be much help. So just fill it out one time. Uh, you can fill, fill it out individually. Uh, you can fill it out as a family. I guess probably would be more accurate. Uh, I'll let you use your own discretion in that. Hey, have a great week. Love you guys. Man, I miss you. I wish, uh, wish we were all back together. Look forward to that day. Um, it's good to see you all tonight. I see we got 27 on with us tonight and and, and many of those links are multiple people So that's awesome. What a what a, what a great uh, church this is you guys come out to hear the word of god on a wednesday night And I know it's kind of fun kind of cool in some ways to do it from our living room, right? Um And, and so thank you for coming and, and connecting and, and being hungry staying hungry for the things of god and walking with him You guys have a great week great evening um looking forward to seeing you again uh, and having you join us on Sunday morning. God bless. Take care. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you're looking for a church home or are interested in what God is doing through Souls Harbor, visit us at www.soulsharborag.com. If you have an encouraging story of what God has done in your life through these podcasts, please share it with us at sharbor at nd.rr.com.